Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? I'm great, Jordan. We had a great weekend away as a family and got to spend some time together. I'll tell you, uh, four of us crammed into one hotel room (laughs) is growing increasingly difficult as the children get bigger. My son's almost as tall as I am now, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a different world, but we had a really good time, really close family time, and then when we got home, we were excited to be able to spread out a little bit more in our house, and um, everybody kind of went to their rooms, <laughs> you know, so it was really good. That's awesome. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. So I got to spend the weekend with my wife's family in Texas. Um, just, it's always so good to see them and spend that really quality time with her side of the family. That's really cool. And I'm sure they were kind of excited to see Isaac. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it funny how once you have kids, you kind of become a B role yeah. character. It's like, yeah. 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 I'm not even there. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Thanks for bringing Isaac. And we'll be with you. You know, right. we'll be with you later. They kind of gave me five bucks as, you know, they picked him up and walked away. <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> oh, it's awesome. So, so on the way to the airport, though, we got to listen to. David Tooley's sermon on yeah. King David, yeah. which is alternately titled David's Davidic Sermon. David's Davidic Sermon. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the scripture from this weekend was Psalm 27 of David. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger, O you who have been my help. Cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I will look upon the goodness of the Lord and the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. So that's a bit of a long passage, but I I, I couldn't I couldn't shorten it. I oh, didn't want to. So good. Yeah, you just have to read the whole thing. So good. So as I said, David Tooley this weekend gave the sermon here at First Baptist, and he talked about King David, and I I really identified with what he was saying because he was talking about how when he was a kid, he would read these stories about King David and just love them and get a lot out of them. And you know, I I, I had the same childhood. I, I looked up to King David. He's one of my favorite really is my favorite Bible character, and that hasn't really changed over time. It's just deepened and developed as I learn more about him and about his life and about the deep, deep meanings within the story of David. Yeah. Can can you just talk about why King David is so compelling as a man, a king, a warrior, and a worshiper? 
Well, it's an unbelievable story. He has an incredible biography, and so we know David is is described in the Bible as being a man after God's own heart. That's in 1 Samuel 13, 14, and again in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. And really, of all the biblical characters, with the exception of Jesus Christ himself, there are none who are mentioned in Scripture as much as David. Mm. The vast majority of First and Second Samuel is about David's life and ministry, and he's also he's mentioned throughout the Old Testament and throughout the New Testament. Truly, his reign set the immediate framework for the coming of the Messiah, who would reign in the line of David forevermore. So David reigned over Israel uh, for 40 years, reigned over God's people. He first reigned over Judah from 1010 to 1003 B.C., and then consolidated his power over all of Israel uh, from 1003 to 1000 B.C., and then all the way up until 970, he reigned. Um, Had an incredible story of highs and lows. And the beautiful thing about David is not only do we get biographical information about him, but through the Psalms, we get to see inside of his heart. And that is that is one of the most amazing things is we get to look at what was he thinking, how was he praying, and, and what was he dealing with even as he walked through some of these key moments in his life. So we first learn about David usually in Sunday school, usually about David and Goliath, mm-hmm. but there's just so much rich material there about King David. Most recently, the thing that's been captivating to me is the idea that he was writing so many of these psalms to be songs for the temple service. He was writing these beautiful, beautiful poems to be the prayer book of God's house on earth. Yeah, Uh, You know, he he wrote most of psalms. I mean, it's it's incredible. Just for that alone, he should be remembered. But that's not all there is to him. There's just so much more. There really is. And I mean, there's, there's... There's so much within the Psalms where he's speaking to himself, like he'll speak to his own soul. He'll cry out to God from his heart. And then what he says to himself is instructive even for us. So you just read Psalm 27, and the last two verses are verse 13 and 14. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And so what a great admonition to himself, reminding himself that he will look upon the goodness of the Lord in this lifetime. Like before he dies, he will look upon the goodness of the Lord. And then he's admonishing himself. And then every one of us who picks up this Bible and opens it to Psalm 27, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. And and what a great encouragement to us as he shares his heart and reveals God's heart as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit and beckons all of us to to sing and to pray along with him. It's just it's really an encouraging thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's dig a little bit deeper into that. Let's talk about King David and the Messiah that he prophesied. Yeah. So the Messiah, the eschatological king of Israel, is often called the son of David, but it's not just because he's descended from David. It's not just because Jesus was born from the line of David. There's much more there. Can you talk more about the can you talk more about why King David teaches us so much about Messiah? Well, there's another psalm that is quoted several times in the New Testament. And I'll just quote the first verse of it. It's Psalm 110. 
And verse 1 says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus himself quotes this passage, and it's recorded in the Synoptic Gospels, but in Matthew chapter 22, verses 41 through 45, Matthew records that while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David, in the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, and he quotes Psalm 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus continues, if then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. So then Jesus himself quotes this. He stumps the Pharisees. Then on the day of Pentecost, Peter quotes this verse. In his great speech, his great sermon on the day of Pentecost, and I want to read, this is a little bit more of an extended passage, but this is worth reading. Acts chapter 2, verses 29 through 36, and this really helps us answer your question. Peter says, Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So what is Peter doing? Well, he's, he's calling to mind David, the great king, the greatest king the world has ever known, the great king over God's people Israel, and the one to whom God promised that his throne would continue forever. And so there's certainly messianic implications there. And what Peter is saying is that this Jesus, whom you killed, whom you crucified, whom God has raised from the dead, is the Messiah in the line of David. And let me read one more passage, and this comes from 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is verses 8 through 17, and this is where God promises to David that the Messiah will come through David's line. So listen to this. Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, so that they may dwell in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom." 
He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with stripes of the son of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. So what do you hear God saying through the prophet Nathan to David? He is saying to David, I will establish your throne forever. Now, there's a little question here. Uh, He's speaking both of David's immediate offspring, Solomon, who will become the king. And we all know Solomon committed iniquity, and so he had to be chastened. That's, That's why Rehoboam turned away and all those sorts of things. But there's also the, the, again, we've talked about this a lot in the Old Testament, the right now and then the not yet. Yeah. And so the right now interpretation of this passage is that Solomon is coming and God will discipline him as a father disciplines a son. And we know that that happened. But then the not yet is speaking of the Messiah who would come, the, 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 the root from the stump of David, uh, as, as the Bible would say, and would reign forevermore upon the throne of David. And so, so many deep and rich implications here. So it's, you're right. It's not just genealogical. Certainly that genealogy matters. And that genealogy is so important, particularly within a Jewish context, so that when you read Matthew chapter one, and you see that that genealogy stretches from Abraham through David to Jesus, it's just unbelievable. But that's kind of a different podcast. But what's even more significant here is the spiritual implications of through the line of David, God would set up the reign of the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, uh, who is God over all forever praised. And so really a whole lot of depth and complexity there, but a lot of beauty as well. For sure. You pointed out how this is about Solomon, but it's also about the Messiah. I I think that Solomon's life is also another podcast to go into of how, you know, the... I mean, the term son of Solomon isn't really a thing, but, you know, you have, you know, someone building a temple, someone who's, you know, reigning over the nations, who's spreading wisdom to all of the world. Yeah, and just as David's story is rich to explore as it connects to the story of the Messiah, I think Solomon's story is just as rich to study with the relationship to the Messiah. I mean, you you have the Second Samuel passage that you just read, and, yeah. you know, you can't you can't not see the messianic implications in there. And you know it. He's giving it to him about Solomon, but it's also about the Messiah because you know some of this came to pass with Solomon, but not all of it. Yeah. Solomon wasn't perfect, and you know he right. he didn't live forever and reign forever. Uh, I I heard it put once, and I, I can't remember who said this, but they put it that you know prophecies like this were given, and then the people in Judah and Israel must have been like, yeah, 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 this next guy, you know, he's he's gonna be the son of David. He's gonna be the one who's gonna reign forever. And then it's just a big disappointment. <laughs> you know, he yeah. has a thousand wives and he's, you know, Bless he fa- falls away into idolatry. And then it's just like, oh, yeah, we came so close. And then, you know, like, you know, Hezekiah. And it's like, ah, he's going to be it. Oh, oh, it's not Hezekiah. <laughs> Josiah. Oh, he died super young. Right. And, none of, and then, you know, Jerusalem's destroyed. The temple's destroyed. So, it, you know, they keep having these disappointments and you either have going into giving up and just saying, you know what, 
this is not true. Yeah. Just hold it loosely. These things are not to be held tr- as truth. Or you grasp these really tightly and say, no, God has given this to us and somehow this will be fulfilled. Yeah. And then that's how you get into the times of the New Testament where so many people were like, send us the son of David. We know that it's happening. You know, you have Bartimaeus on the side of the road who's shouting, mm-hmm. son of David, I believe that you can heal me because yeah. he knows that this Jesus, this son of David, has this power because he's come from the kingdom that is to come. Yeah. Well, and but think about this as well. As you mentioned, the disappointment that had to come, oh, maybe Solomon's the one, or oh, maybe this next one, the next one. David's reign ended in 970 BC. So we're talking about a thousand year period, I'm estimating, between the end of David's reign and the coming of Christ. That's a lot of disappointment. That includes a Babylonian captivity and exile. Mm. Um, So for us, when we think about the coming of Christ, we say, well, it's been 2,000 years and he hasn't returned yet. Should we give up? Well, no. God comes through in his timing. And for the Lord, a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. And so... God is not uh, delayed to the degree that he is unable to fulfill the great promises he's made for us. So just as those in the Old Testament were likely disappointed, and then later when they saw this all unfold from the bosom of Abraham, that sort of a thing, what joy they had to have had. And so even if our life on this earth comes to an end and we go to heaven before Christ returns, what joy will we experience when it is all when it is all fulfilled, because it will be. It will all be fulfilled just as God has said. Amen. So that takes us into today's listener question. Actually, really, really well. <laughs> it, I didn't want to blend it on that, but that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So listeners, if you have a question, just go to the show notes and use the link there or comment on the post below. Jeff, when the kingdom comes, I know those who died in Christ will be raised and meet him in the air. But will those still alive need to die to enter the resurrection? That is a great question, and uh, we have such thoughtful listeners. So thank you, and please continue to send in your questions. These are great. I want to commend to you two passages that will give very straightforward answers to this question. The first passage comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. The second passage comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 56. So let me just read both of these. Let me start with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who are fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So this passage from 1 Thessalonians tells us that the dead will be raised, and we're going to hear more about that in 1 Corinthians. But the dead will be raised. Christ will bring with him from heaven the spirits of those who have fallen asleep, 
And we will be, we who are alive, if we're alive at that point in time, we who are alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds. So we don't have to die. We can go from very much being alive to being caught up together with them. That, that being caught up is where the idea for the rapture comes from. But that's what it's talking about, that when Christ returns, we who are alive will be caught up together with them. Well, what does that look like? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 56, Paul fleshes it out just a little bit more, again, as he's carried along by the Holy Spirit, saying this, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's going to happen? Well, if we're still alive, when Christ returns, the dead in Christ will be raised, and they will be given resurrection bodies. Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead, and so his body models for us what our resurrection bodies will be like. They will be physical. They will be imperishable. They will be immortal. They will be impervious to pain or disease or any of those sorts of things. Um, so Jesus models for that. Uh, so Jesus models for us what the resurrection body will be like. Are there questions? Yes, there are plenty of questions. But one of the things that I find really encouraging is Jesus ate. I don't I don't know what that why that's so encouraging to me, but Luke the physician wanted us to know that Jesus in his resurrected body ate fish. And so I believe that that indicates that we also will still eat and those sorts of things. So that's exciting. Um but no, we don't have to die, but we do have to be transformed. And 1 Corinthians 15 says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be transformed. And, and so, again, there's some sense in which this seems mystical and mysterious to us because, well, we haven't, we haven't been through it yet. But, no, we won't have to physically die, but we will in an instant be transformed such that all who are alive in Christ at that time will have these glorified resurrection bodies. That's going to be the norm. Everybody who's in Christ will have these glorified resurrection bodies. And so that's a really insightful question, trying to figure out the mechanism of what is this going to look like. Um, you know, not to be crass, but but you know, our bodies won't just drop. You know, <laughs> and they will be transformed and we will be caught up together with the Lord. And so it will be, it will be a a wonderful experience. I think we will never forget it for all of eternity. Um, but notice how Paul ends both of these passages. He says in 1 Thessalonians, therefore encourage one another with these words. And he says in 1 Corinthians, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In both cases, he's talking about something we haven't been through, something that there's questions about. But he sees these passages, these truths, as being completely encouraging. Nothing to be scared of, nothing to be worried about, but completely encouraging. 
that we will always be with the Lord. The Lord will always take care of us. And for those of us who are in Christ, it's always going to be okay. Even when we're being transformed from our mortal bodies to our immortal resurrection bodies. Amen. May the resurrection come soon in our days. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. I think I've read that somewhere, Yeah, but I affirm it. (laughs) Jeff, do you mind praying us out today? Yes, indeed. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you that Messiah has come, that the promise you made to David has been fulfilled. And we thank you that one day Messiah will come again as Christ returns, riding victorious to gather all those who belong to him and to judge the world. Lord, we pray that until that day comes, we would be faithful in proclaiming the message of the good news of Jesus Christ so that all people may turn away from sin and come in faith to Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray, recognizing that for all of us who are in Christ, it will always be okay because you will always be with us and you have plans for us that transcend time and space and even our physical bodies. And so, Lord, we look to you, we rest in you, we lean on you, we find our hope in you, and we are strengthened by you. Lord, help us to be faithful, as we know you will always be faithful. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editor is Chad Walden.